and Talk. Hello and welcome to Grow Up and Talk. This is Alex and I am a pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church and we believe that eternities are changed when Jesus followers grow up in their faith and one of the best ways to do this is by reading God's Word, the Bible, and talking about it, having conversations and asking questions and even addressing some of the hard questions. What we're using to go through uh, God's Word and talk about it is this three-year Bible reading plan that's been put together by some members at Messiah Lutheran Church. Uh, Welcome to the show. Whether you are a part of Messiah Lutheran Church or not, we are glad that you are here and listening to us. And today on the show, we have Rick Pfaff. Rick, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, thanks for the welcome, and it's good to be with you, Alex. Um, I was uh, born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, and when I was a junior high school age, I moved to uh, Minnesota, and there I went to junior high, high school, and college, and uh, during that tenure, I met my, my eventual wife, Kim. We've been married for 42 years and have three sons that are all married. We have two grandkids and one on the way, so that's a blessing from God. Nice. But uh, after graduating from uh, college, I went to the seminary in St. Louis, Concordia Seminary, and became an ordained pastor in uh, 1983. I served in the ministry for 35 years at uh, four different places. We were in Korea as missionaries in Kansas City, Kansas for eight and a half years in the Houston area, Pasadena, Texas, for 10 years. And then I finished uh, my ministry, had the privilege of serving as a senior pastor right here at Messiah and Bernie uh, to, to round out my 35 years of ministry. And right after retirement in October of 2018, I started working part-time for the Texas District of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod as a mission support specialist, so I basically oversee all of the mission mission funding for our Texas district. Nice. So basically, you're like a special forces agent for the tes- Texas Texas district missions. That even sounds better than go. my job, job description. Yeah. <laughs> Just say, I'm special forces for the missions of Texas. Um, what very I, good. What I what I really <laughs> tell people is is. I love my job because I get to get out, give out a couple million dollars, but I'm not responsible for raising it. <laughs> that is that is very uh, amusing. I, that would be fun. So, yep, it cool. is awesome. Yep. Well, thanks for uh, letting us uh, kind of get an inside scoop into your background and who you are. Uh, if you could just give us a summary of our readings today, which are. 1st Samuel 25 through chapter 31. So we're ending 1st Samuel, and these are the readings, by the way, for August 1st through 7th. We will have some uh, episodes probably later on, that uh, little mini episodes covering the psalm. Uh, but for today, we'll just focus on 1st Samuel 25 to 31. So Rick, can you uh, tell us what's going on here? Yes, yes. Well, in previous podcasts, you'll hear how David was anointed by Samuel to be the next king, but Saul is still the king in the interim, Mm. and so a number of things happen between Saul and David in those ensuing chapters. And so when we get to this week's readings, starting with uh, chapter 25, uh, David is 
uh, he's a soldier, basically. Uh, he is not the king yet, but he is a man of responsibility, and he, he has hundreds, even thousands of men that, uh, that follow him uh, as he goes from place to place. And in chapter 25, uh, David decides that he is going to go down to the desert of Maon, and there, there was a man who was very wealthy. His name was Nabal. And uh, Nabal had a lot of sheep, as did David and his his men. And so basically, they just kind of watched out for each other and protected each other. And they had a good uh, relationship with one another. But uh, when David tried to make an overture toward Nabal to kind of... Um, you know, just forge a relationship. Nabal basically said, no way. And he wanted, he wanted to fight uh, is the bottom line. And so uh, when Nabal's wife, Abigail, heard about this, she sent uh, some gifts to David to try to smooth the waters hmm. and calm things down between Nabal and David because David at that point was rather angry and ready to, to you know, take revenge and so forth. And uh, so Abigail was successful in that. Um, and David basically uh, took a step back, and he even said to Abigail, this is in verse 32 of chapter 25, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet you. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. And uh, we find this out later on, but uh, later down the road, David actually marries Abigail hmm. after Nabal dies. And uh, so that, that, in a nutshell, is, is chapter 25. Uh, so you want me just to move on to through yeah, each chapter? Like just briefly, mm-hmm. chapter 26, 27, R- just kind of right. get to the end, yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, as I mentioned, that David had been anointed as the next king, but Saul was still the, the king at this time. And uh, Saul really was jealous of David, and that that appears uh, earlier in in chapter 18 of 1 Samuel, and that just kind of keeps boiling up over and over again. And so, in uh, chapter 24, David actually spares Saul's life when he has an opportunity to kill him. Well, now in chapter 26, there's pretty much a repeat of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Saul is hiding out with his men in a cave, and he's sound asleep, and David and his men sneak in, and they take a spear and a water jug from right next to David's head. I mean, I mean Saul's head. Yeah, yeah. And they, they escape with it. And then the next day, uh, David basically says to, to Saul's main guard, hey, what's wrong with you? You know, you, are you guys always sleeping? We could have easily taken the life of the king. And the reason David did this a couple times is he knew that Saul initially was ordained or was was commissioned by God to be the first king, and he said, "Who am I to take you know over that authority?" Even though David himself had been anointed as the next king, so he respected that office. 
by not taking Saul's life. In chapter 27, uh, David goes and lives among the Philistines, or some people pronounce it Philistines, but he did that because Saul was still pursuing him, and he thought, well, I can go into the land of uh, the Philistines and maybe get away from Saul for a little bit. The irony here is, of course, David was the one who had defeated the giant Goliath, who was a Philistine, and the Philistines basically became subjects of, or not, maybe not slaves, but subjects of, of King Saul and, and David and Israel at that time. And so he just kind of hangs out in Philistia for a while to get away from, from Saul. Uh, then, in chapter 28, Saul is wanting to inquire about David, and also he wants to get some information from the prophet Samuel. And this is rather ironic, but uh, in the beginning of our readings in chapter 25, I, I, I failed to mention this, in one verse, it says, Samuel died, and all of Israel assembled, mourned for him, and they buried him at his home in Ramah. Mm. And here is this great prophet, Samuel, who was so instrumental, and even the, the books of First and Second Samuel are named for him, and yet, in one sentence, poof, he's gone. He died. Yeah. Well, in chapter 28, Saul wants to inquire of him, so he goes to a witch, or a, basically a, a seer, a medium, mm-hmm. in, in, in Indoor, a place called Indoor, and he asks for the witch of Indoor to summon Samuel's spirit. And what's interesting is Saul himself had made a law that all spiritists and mediums were not supposed to do this. They were outlawed, basically. So the woman was very leery. Nevertheless, at Saul's insistence, she went ahead and conjured up uh, Samuel, and uh, and Samuel appeared to to uh, Saul, and uh, hmm. I I think it's rather interesting. And this is a, a side note, but if you're a fan of the old Bewitched TV program, you remember the name of Samantha's mother, Endora. Oh. There you go. I didn't. I, I mean, I know what bewitched is. All right. So everyone right. who's listening, you know, I'm not that uncultured. All right. But right, um, right, yeah. <laughs> I, but but her mother th- th- that's Dora, interesting. Yeah. Obviously, that name initially or originally at least came from a biblical image of the witch of Endor. And nice. uh, yeah. so that was yeah that that was kind of that Very was kind good. of funny. Grow up and so. talk and trivia with Rick Faff. There you go. You got to throw in some trivia. <laughs> so. All right. And uh, um, and then what mo- happens moving, after that? Uh, well, moving on to chapter 29, um, a guy named um, Akish sends David back to Ziklag. I know these are, these are names. There are so many Bible names of places and uh, names that sound foreign to our yeah. ears. And so a lot right. of times... You know, it's so easy to kind of lose track of who's who as you read through, especially some of these Old Testament books. 
But uh, basically, the Philistines had gathered their forces, and um, and as they were doing so, David was marching at the rear with this guy named Achish and, and his his troops and so forth. Mm. And so he sends him kind of ahead. And there was a saying about David, Saul has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. Yeah. And so that was the that was the reputation David had, not just um, you know that Saul was jealous of, but that other nations were aware of, mm. and so they would try to forge um, alliances with David, knowing that okay. if David was on your side, the chances are the Lord was going to be on your side, mm. because David was considered a man after own God God's own heart, right, and. Uh, and then it, it's interesting, though, because there's this, and we can get into the, the discussion uh, a little bit later, but as you look at these chapters, one time David goes and attacks and kills everybody. The next time he goes and he spares everybody. Hmm. And we look at those situations and there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it. But again, you know, looking at the historical background of, of when this happened, why it happened, there's usually a reason for those things. It's it's not, it on the surface it seems just capricious and and you know it, he, it, it depends what side of bed he got out of that morning whether he's in a good mood or a bad mood. But All right, really, everybody. That's that's really not the case. David but, woke up on the wrong side of the bed today. Everyone hide in your caves. Well, and in chapter eight, he destroys the Amalekites. Uh, when he reached uh, Ziklag, where, where the other guy sent him, uh, David and his men found the city. Um, it was destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters had been taken captive, including, in, including David's wife, uh, Abigail, whom he mm. had married, and then another wife of his. And he was distressed uh, because because of this. And so to rescue all of his people, his wives, the children, and all of the sheep and animals that were stolen, they killed all of the uh, Amalekites mm. and basically got back their the, the captives that had been taken. And uh, so that that's what happens in chapter 30. And then chapter 31, we jump to a different topic, and we're back to uh, Saul and his sons. Now they're also fighting the Philistines. Uh, uh, um, and during this time, Saul was overtaken. His three sons, including his beloved Jonathan, were killed. Mm-hmm. And at this time, Saul, it, it was a tragedy, especially in that day, to die at the hand of your enemies. Okay. So Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and run it through me so that these enemies don't uh, run, th- run me through and abuse me. In other words, yeah. stab me to death and then, and then make play of me. Uh, but the armor bearer was unable to do that. And so in dramatic fashion and, and was uh, often the case in, in ancient times, uh, Saul literally fell on his sword and died that day, uh, along with his three sons and his armor-bearer. They all died that same day. And uh, then it concludes 
When the Philistines came to strip the dead, they found Saul and his three sons fallen. They cut off his head, stripped off his armor, and sent messengers throughout the land to proclaim the news uh, of the of the victory, basically. Mm. But then uh, the very last thing is uh, some of the men came and they found the, the bones of uh, Saul. And so they took the, the bones and they went and buried them uh, properly, even though he had been right. killed and burned. Uh, but uh, they, they buried their king and they fasted for seven days as, as the law had commanded them to do. And uh, so First Samuel basically concludes the reign of Saul okay. and, and sets the stage for David's reign starting in Second Samuel. Very good. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And uh, next time, I think I'll just have you do the readings and just give me that summary. And then I don't have <laughs> to do any of it. That would be great. But no, uh, thank you for for getting into those details as well. You really explained it um, thoroughly. Um, And yeah, so let's talk about uh, some of the details and and discuss those. So what Mm -hmm. stood out to you um, in this area of Scripture? I think the the thing that sticks out to me, not just in this section, but in so much of Scripture, and especially, I think, the Old Testament, is at least when I was younger, I would read these stories because, you know, for anyone that went to Sunday school, Hmm. you had the story of David and Goliath, and you had the story of David being uh, anointed, you know, out of all of his brothers and so forth. And Hmm. it's like each little story is its own separate capsule. Mm -hmm. And... I think the important thing to remember is that what happened in Scripture did not happen in a vacuum. Mm. It was all a a scope and sequence over millennia. I mean, over long, long periods of time. So even, for example, uh, in this this book, from the time that David is anointed to be the next king, um, at least in the, the timeline in the Bibles that I use, was 1025. And then Saul dies in 1010, so that's 15 years. Hmm. Wow. Uh, and so a lot of what's happening in these you know, handful of chapters, it's, it's not happening this day, and then the next day this happened. And I mean, you know, life like that would be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, life is crazy anyway. <laughs> but, you know... To think that these things yeah. took months, or in some cases even years, and it wasn't just, uh, for instance, when David went to live in in um, Philistia, it said he was there for a year and four months. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's one of the rare examples where it actually puts a timestamp on sure. it. So much of Scripture does not do that, and so it leads us to speculation and kind of guessing or doing detective work and, you know, cross-referencing with other stories or Bible passages or even historical information from outside the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that is a good point that you bring up is, you know, remembering that these things didn't happen in a vacuum and um, just even seeing the the just hearing you talk about, you know, the summary of, of these stories and what happened 
they are really, really interesting stories. Once you get into them, there's just, you know, you had even said it's, it's kind of hard to keep up with the characters, with all the different characters in the, the stories. And mm-hmm. one of my um, favorite, you know, I like to watch a lot of TV shows and stuff. Um, one of my favorite TV shows is, is like This Is Us. Or uh, some, you know, I know uh, my wife was into Downton Abbey, you know, and, and a lot of those shows, it seems like there is there are a ton of characters and a, a mm-hmm. ton of things to keep up with and, and that kind of thing. Uh, it just kind of reminds me of, of kind of like a TV show where everything is interwoven together and, you know, but you have to keep track of a lot of things. I've always thought that the life of David could be like a, a six or seven season like TV show uh, that yep. they end up making. Uh, and it, and even like, you know, you have a few episodes worth with the time that he's in Philistia. Um, and so, yep. Yep, yeah, just, exactly. just being able to see that play out would be really cool, but it's, it's kind of interesting. Like, you know, once you get into these stories um, and a lot of times we think of the, the com the more common stories like David and Goliath. And uh, mm-hmm. we, we forget about, a lot of the interesting things that happened um, in this narrative kind of even before he became the king. So, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, one thing that I had a, a question on, this was, you know, you you'd kind of brought this up a little bit in chapter 28 where Saul uh, contacts this, this medium of Endor, and it's Endor mm-hmm. is just a name of a place in that day. It is not the planet Endor in Star Wars, but <laughs> maybe that's some inspiration for that too. I don't know. Um, I, oh, I'm, I'm guessing so. <laughs> but anyway, so he conducts or he he contacts this uh, medium, uh, and you said he had, you know, even though he had kind of outlawed that. I guess the thing that was a, a little confusing for me at first when I was looking mm-hmm. at that, was, um, okay, I didn't know, well, I mean, I know that we're not really, we're not supposed to be doing that kind of thing, you know, trying to contact the dead, and it's just interesting that, in this instance, that God allows um, this to happen, th- that he allows even the spirit of Samuel to appear to Saul in this way, because we mm-hmm. are typically you know, because of, of, of Jesus, he's the one mediator between God and man. And so he, he's the, he's our connection to God. Uh, he's, um, you know, we, we pray to God directly. We don't, uh, you know, pray to other, you know, saints or other spirits. We pray directly to God because of what Christ has done for us. And, um, but here it's really interesting that God allows Samuel to appear and speak into Saul's life, even though that's, not what we're supposed to be doing. I, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. you, you see what I'm saying? Like, so, oh, so sometimes I, yeah. that, I, I think that can, like, this was a little, not necessarily confusing for me because in the end I, I, I'm thinking, well, this has happened because God allowed it to happen. But I could certainly see how, you know, it's just interesting that in this instance, Saul is doing something he's really not supposed to be doing. Um, it really goes against, how God uh, desires to communicate with people, and yet God allows him to be communicated to in that way. Exactly. But I think there's a, uh, a lesson that can be learned here, okay. too, and, and that's, I mean, in our language today, we say, be careful what you wish for. 
or mm. what you ask for. Hmm. And Scripture kind of has a parallel to that, especially in the New Testament book of, of Romans, that if people insist on a certain thing, God ultimately or eventually gives them over to that thing. Okay. And yeah. it's kind of like, okay, this is what you're choosing. I'm going to allow you to have what you're choosing, even though it's not good for you. And, you know, sometimes even a parent does that with a child, mm. with the hope and the prayer that the child is going to learn from that, <laughs> from that experience <laughs> and, and grow, grow from it and so forth. Because, uh, you know, now again, it's um, a lot better theologians than me have talked about the permissive will of God. Hmm. In fact, uh, I recall one of your sermons uh, uh, where I think you talked a little bit about that. And, well, I might um, have talked about it, but I certainly didn't. <laughs> actually, didn't you know permissive. Who, All right, everybody. Today in our sermon, we're going to talk about the actually, permissive you know who will did, of God. You know who did do that? It's okay. when Philip Doublestein preached. Okay. Did he say for, permissive for will? You. He did. He he okay. gave what to me was the briefest and clearest okay. description of God's active and then his permissive or passive okay. will. Can you explain that a little bit for us? Well, uh, basically, I think active and permissive will of God, uh, kind of the question came up with the story of uh, Saul and the witch of Endor in, in chapter 28 of 1 Samuel. And the question people often ask is, why did God allow this witch to conjure up Samuel's spirit to kind of talk to Saul and to kind of appear? And um, one of the explanations is, is that God allows things to happen. He has a permissive will. It's not that he actively wants something to happen. But uh, but he allows it, you know, just like God put laws of nature into creation. And so tornadoes come, storms come, hurricanes and so forth. And God doesn't um, supernaturally stop all of those things. He allows them to happen. And so kind of that's the permissive will of God as opposed to his active will, which is, you know, the sending of his son Jesus for mm. Uh, our salvation. And so, you know, it's just one of those sticky questions that people have that why does God allow things to happen? And I think this story of the Witch of Endor is, in, in part at least, kind of gives a glimpse as, as to why that sometimes happens. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything else that stood out to you or questions or concerns that you had when you were reading um, in these chapters? Well, these chapters, again, it's, uh, you know, there's so many, so much going on. And uh, it's just, uh, it's kind of like, like our lives. You know, we, we look at one story and, and kind of encapsulate it. But everything is happening at once, and it's happening not just to us, but, you know, other people as well. And so as we read these stories and look at these, um, look at these situations, I think I have a tendency, and I think most people do, is you see someone and you kind of make a judgment about them just, you know, based on appearance or based on uh, how they look and so forth. And we have no idea what what they're experiencing, what they're going through in life. 
Um, and so as we look at these characters, that just kind of came to mind that, you know, we don't know what's going on in the lives of all the people around us. And sometimes it's wise to kind of take a step back and maybe take that into consideration before, you know, judging someone or making a decision about something without further information. Yeah. Um, Does that make sense? That makes sense uh, because there's a lot uh, going on in, in the background here. And, um, yeah, it's there's more to it than just you know, meets the eye, I guess, is, you know, even even in Saul's life, you know, he had a lot of different things going on as well. And uh, I think some, it says even um, in earlier passages that like, you know, an evil spirit was, was upon him, kind of oppressing him and, and that um, sometimes he would have David come in and play music for him. Right, um, right. And yeah. so, yeah, there's, you know, like you had said earlier that, you know, everything doesn't happen in a history doesn't happen in a vacuum. And these were years and years of time that, that had passed. And so it is, there, there's, there's, um, a lot of context and, and, and a lot going on in these people's lives. Um, and, but that's the interesting thing to me about God's word is that it, it doesn't shy away from telling the story as it really happened. Um, it doesn't exactly. spare any of the, it doesn't, doesn't like leave out uh, even the, the details that are less favorable that even might, might make us look at David and say, Oh, you know, like, uh, you know, um, he just seemed to uh, do things that, that weren't uh, really good. But we also are looking at, at, um, these stories from a different cultural lens than mm-hmm, even right. they had back then. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. And and not just the Old Testament characters such as David, but the New New Testament, you know, the apostles, the, the disciples of Jesus who spent three years with him. And, uh, you know, some of the things that they were uh, involved in and the doubts and the yeah and the the sins and so forth. But uh, once again, that just lends itself to the truth of Scripture, that that we cannot save ourselves, that these are just examples of how fallen and sinful we are and how much and how desperately we need Jesus, who was the only one who could keep the law and who could follow God's will and make it possible for us to be saved. Right. And again, it's it's through that understanding of who we are in Jesus that God can say of of David, for instance, that he was a man after God's own heart, Hmm. Uh, even though he was, as you just indicated, a a terrible sinner. He was an adulterer and a a murderer and so forth. Yeah, I, I always like to remember that. Remember how God called David a man after his own heart and um you know, even the this one of my favorite psalms is the Psalm fifty one, which is the one that he wrote after he had uh, been called out on his sin uh, of adultery with uh, Bathsheba, and right. um, yeah, so I, that's a really good reminder. And and listeners, what Rick has just done is he's pointed to Jesus, which is always a great thing to do uh, when reading any 
passage of Scripture because the Old Testament points to Jesus and the New Testament kind of points back to him, and he continues to work in our lives today. So speaking of that hope that we have, uh, what gives you hope? You kind of mentioned some of it already, but what gives you hope when you're looking at uh, these stories? Mm-hmm. I was really struck by one verse in particular that, again, no matter how many times you read the Bible, Every time you read something, something new jumps out or, you know, it might be because you're in a different place in life as as a student or a parent or a, a, even a grandparent or you're struggling with a certain sin or illness. And when you're reading it, thing, different things just come to the to the forefront. What jumped out to me this time was in chapter 30, verse 6, it reads, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters, but David found strength in the Lord his God. And that just kind of summarizes David's life. All the Psalms that, that he wrote, and you just mentioned one of those, where you know, he laments and he cries out to the Lord, how long? And yet in every psalm, he comes to the point where, but I will trust in you. I will turn to the Lord. And I think that's where, for me, the hope comes from, is in the midst of all of the things that we go through, even when someone's literally seeking our life, our mm. strength comes from the Lord, our God. Yeah. And uh, that just spoke volumes to me when I read that verse this time. Yeah, I like that. And um, it kind of, I think that's sort of a a theme verse for this section of scripture is, is how uh, David found strength in the, in the Lord, his God, even, even in the chapters before this with Saul pursuing him. And he really was patient and persistent Mm -hmm. and waited on God. Uh, to make it clear to him when the right time was for him to uh, to assume the role as king. And he didn't necessarily go out and just get the things that he even maybe knew were rightfully his because he had been anointed, but he instead was careful and, 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 and patient and waited on the Lord um, and relied on the Lord to strengthen him, I think, in that waiting period as well, because it was we for us is like one chapter's worth but for him it was like seven years at times yeah exactly yeah yeah that's exactly right so is there this is kind of a impromptu follow-up but uh is there a time in your life that you can remember where um there was a lot going on and you just found strength in in god and that was really what pulled you through that time? Oh, absolutely. Um, Shortly after we moved to to Texas and in in the Houston area where you get just torrential rains, well, we had a tropical storm um, up here in the Gulf in the morning. By three in the afternoon, the rain had already several inches had fallen already. And by seven that evening, our house was flooding. Hmm. And we had, you know, we're sitting there trying to put blankets and, and towels by the door, not realizing that in Texas, at South Texas, the houses are built with holes toward the bottom of the house for, for moisture protection. Hmm. Um, and the water just 
comes in everywhere at once, not just through doors or openings, but just through the walls. And uh, obviously that was a a traumatic experience to have, you know, 16 inches of water in your house and dealing with all of that cleanup and so forth. And yet during that time, my wife was a full-time teacher. I was, I'm, you know, serving as a pastor full-time. And many of our members also flooded and so forth. And, um, you know, where the strength to deal with that came from, it could only have been God. And, uh, you know, we look at it now and it's just kind of a, a, a vague memory. But of course, at the time, you're questioning and wondering and what's going to happen and will we, will we need to sell this house? Will we need to move? Just all those questions. And so once again, our strength and uh, what held us up was was God and then our brothers and sisters in Christ. The members of our church were so helpful and what can we do and so forth. And uh, so that that was probably the most clear example in my life. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Well, with that, let's go ahead and take a break and then we'll come back with some more life application. All right. Welcome back to Grow Up and Talk after a short brain break. And uh, Rick, thank you for sharing uh, that example in your life. Um, We always want to apply God's Word to our lives today. That's part of uh, the goal of this this podcast and even talking about God's Word because it's it's relevant and applicable to our lives today. So how do you see this Mm -hmm. section of Scripture having that importance for our lives today? I think the main application comes from, you know, again, remembering that this culture was so different, and yet the way that that God moved and worked in all of these different situations of the people's lives, Saul, David, uh, Samuel, who, you know, the great prophet who at this point had died, and um, even the enemies of God, the enemies of, of God's people, um, you know, God was moving in their lives. Uh, One of the examples, again, it's, you know, um, Abigail ended up being uh, a a wife of David after her husband was uh, an enemy of David. And, you know, just to see how how things that happen in life, there's a reason, there's a purpose, and that God is in it, ultimately. Uh, There's a verse in the New Testament that says, uh, all things come together for good for those who Mm. love God. And it doesn't mean that everything that happens is good, Mm. but it does mean that God is big enough that he is able to bring ultimate good from whatever situation happens in our lives. Yeah, I like that. Um, You mentioned that that verse doesn't mean that everything is good, but that God is the one bringing the good uh, despite the circumstances. And I've found Mm. that to be true um, in my life as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the thing that I really that really stood out to me with the, these stories um, is just kind of what you said, uh, David finding that strength in the Lord, his God. 
uh, his being patient and waiting for God. Um, and, and I just, I admire his, his, his walk of integrity. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, he, yes, David, you know, he was a sinner and we kind of pick on those stories a lot, um, because I think in our society and just in humanity, we like narratives of rising and falling, uh, sometimes. And we get, uh, we're like, oh yeah, that was the fall of the great, the great athlete or the great King, Mm -hmm. but Really, especially in these early years of David, he really walked a walk of integrity, especially um, as he he had opportunities to really just take over. He could have killed Saul. He could have done all these things that were probably culturally acceptable for that time um, that would have been seen to be right uh, and okay for him to do. Yet he followed the spirit of God and he found his strength in in God's spirit and in God's timing in that. And so I think the thing that I uh, really can take away from this personally is just relying on God, turning to Mm. God um, first and foremost, um, not necessarily looking to the things that are even the advice of other people right away, Mm -hmm. but just being careful to, to, to look to God, to listen to him, to rely on him. Um, and uh, put his voice, listen to his voice first and foremost um, uh, in my life. So Right, yeah. right. That's a great point. All right. Well, uh, thanks for talking with us today, and we'd like to end with a, a fun and little random question. So, Rick, my question for you is this. Um, how do you feel about pineapple on pizza? I'm one of those people that love pineapple on pizza, especially we, we will often order a Hawaiian pizza that has typically it has Canadian bacon or ham and uh, pineapple and sometimes even kind of a, a tangy or barbecue type sauce yep. uh, rather than just the tradi- traditional tomato sauce. And uh, I think just the sweet with the kind of salty is a is a good mix it's a good combination so i like it i agree and um i, I think it tastes great and uh, i i'm wondering if you've ever been to hawaii before i have not i've been okay. to most of the states in the contiguous states and even got to alaska i just mm. a couple years ago but that's on our bucket list have not made it yet gotcha to, yeah uh, to hawaii i went to Hawaii one time I was on a family vacation <laughs> and uh, actually you, you kind of talk about tropical storms this old, wasn't a tropical storm but it was one of the worst storms that uh, I think we were on Oahu and they the locals the next day my family was at McDonald's early in the morning getting something and mm-hmm. they said the locals were telling them that this was one of the worst storms that they had ever seen their island and we oh were the goodness. ones driving through it to get to our rental house from the airport in these rental cars so oh wow <laughs> <laughs> it was it was wild and uh i at that time i was <laughs> that time it was just like the lightning would strike and then you'd actually get a view of like the ocean and everything and all the trees bending oh and, and everything it was wild i was like oh it uh, sounds like it god are you trying to say something here um but 
yeah. Anyway, um, and uh, actually, there was a a point where we had to drive through some. There was some water over this, you know, area of of road, and um, <laughs> we had we had to, you know go and my dad was like ah, I don't know what to do um and he just went for it and so <laughs> it was it was right. wild it, well well he he wasn't going to go for it but then there was like a truck that went through and just like made it and so he's like okay maybe we can make it and I was just like oh lord please please yeah, send your holy yeah. angels to push our car up here and it was it was wild it was that that was an interesting like first night experience in Hawaii but oh, um, I bet. <laughs> yeah but the rest of the that vacation was really awesome I, I do wonder if they have Hawaiian pizza in Hawaii is it really something that's a part of Hawaii or is it just it, called Hawaiian exactly because in so many cases Chinese food is not in China and <laughs> Japanese yeah. food is not in Japan it's the American version yeah <laughs> well uh, we Americans we have to put our our stamp and on everything i guess and uh, exactly but hey hawaiian pizza we're fans so you got it <laughs> well uh listeners thanks for tuning in uh if you find this podcast helpful uh, feel free to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already uh, we would love if you share this with other people so they can uh be impacted by this podcast as well and we can go on this journey for spiritual maturity together uh growing up and talking about god's word and uh, also if you have any questions comments feedback you can email them to grow up and talk podcast at gmail.com rick it's been a pleasure well, thanks so much for the invitation. I enjoyed it very much. Yep. All righty. Well, we All will right. talk with you next time. Peace. All right. God bless. Take care.